Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Why don't you get on your feet with me this morning? Let's pray together this morning. Hallelujah. Why don't you stand with me if you can? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we worship you. Come on, just lift your hands across this place. Lord, we worship you. There's nothing impossible. There's nothing impossible. There's nothing impossible for you. There's nothing impossible. There's nothing impossible. There's nothing impossible. What are you facing today? There's absolutely nothing impossible. Only believe. Jesus said, if only you believe. All things, all things, all things, all things are possible to him that believes. All things are possible. Your mountains are moving this morning. Sickness is leaving this morning. Breakthrough is happening right now. Hallelujah. I wish somebody would just release their faith with me this morning and just begin to speak that out. My breakthrough is happening right now. My healing is happening right now. My freedom is happening right now. Just declare by faith. Come on, just declare it by faith. All things are possible. Whatever it is that you're facing today, the volunteers that we need for Night of Hope, all things are possible. The guests that are hurting and broken are going to be healed in Jesus' name, provided for supernaturally. Finances released in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. By faith, by faith, if you're facing something this morning and it's just a hard situation, impossible situation, that you need a miracle, just lift your hand right where you're at. You're by faith, by faith, by faith. Lord, right now, by faith, we receive according to your faith, according to your faith in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord in proportion to His power that is at work within you. In proportion to the power that is at work within you. The power of heaven, the power of God at work on the inside of you by faith. Jesus. 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 Now I want to challenge you. If you've got your hands up, I want you to look at me. I want to challenge you with something. You've put a lot of strength and effort and energy You've put a lot of working and a lot of effort and a lot of energy into your problem, into your lack of faith, into the lie, into the disobedience, into the whatever. Some of you put a lot of effort and a lot of energy into that thing. Right? Faith operates from a place of rest. It doesn't mean that you're not doing anything. It doesn't mean that you're not standing on the word of the Lord. It doesn't mean that you're not operating and cooperating with the word. But it's not by might. It's not by power. But it's by the spirit of the Lord. He is the one bringing the miracle. He's the one doing the breakthrough. He's the one doing the miracle. You hear me? And so it's your job to cooperate with him. 
It's your responsibility to cooperate with him. Learning to rest in God. That rest is not inactivity. We're going to look at that this morning. Rest is not inactivity. You'll do more in rest with God than you could do in your own strength any day. Hallelujah. Is anybody getting this this morning? I just feel like some people need to step into their, into their miracle, into their breakthrough. It's already there. Jesus. Tell somebody next to you, say your miracle's happening right now. Hallelujah. Right now. Right now. You can be seated this morning. Hallelujah. Grab your Bibles and go to Luke. Let me see your Bibles this morning. I said last week you need to bring, somebody showed me their Bible. They brought their Bible this morning, wanted me to know it. Show me your Bibles. You got your Bible. Awesome. Look at you. Tell, tell somebody who's waving their Bible next to you, good job. I think just need to congratulate them and say, you brought your Bible this morning. Not just an electronic device, but your Bible. We're going to go to Luke chapter 1. We're continuing on this morning in the Mystery of Christmas series. Last week, we took a look at the eternal word, the eternal word of Christ, Jesus, the eternal word. Today, we're going to dive into the anointed baby, the anointed baby, Jesus, the Christ, Jesus, the anointed one, Jesus, the Messiah, the anointed one. You know, I said it last week, but if Christmas, if the mystery of Christmas for you is about Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer or chestnuts roasting on the open fire, then you've missed the meaning and the mystery of Christmas. You know, I, I love all those things. I love Christmas decorations and all the things. Don't get me wrong. But that's not the mystery of Christmas. Jesus is the mystery revealed. Jesus is the Christmas mystery revealed to you and I. In Luke chapter 1, I'm going to go through a few scriptures this morning and take a look at the baby in the manger. I want to take a look at this anointed baby, this, this Christ child, the anointed one. Christ wasn't Jesus' last name. It meant that he was the anointed one of heaven. It was the, the Greek word for the Messiah, the one who had come to set the captives free. The deliverer had come. The anointed one had come to set the captives free. No matter what you're carrying today, this baby in the manger, this Christ baby has come, the anointed anointed baby has come for your deliverance. This anointed baby has come for your freedom. This anointed baby has come for your salvation. This anointed baby, I'm preaching to myself this morning. Hallelujah. This anointed baby has come for you to work in your life, to move in your life, to move on your behalf, to liberate you, to set you free. In Luke chapter 1, we find uh, the story of Zacharias and Elizabeth. Elizabeth had been barren. She was unable to have children. And in, in Zechariah chapter 1, and, and let's go to verse 39. It says that 
Mary arose. By the way, let me before I, before I tell you that part of the story, let me tell you the first part of the story. Before I read that, let me tell you the first part. Zacharias was in the temple, and he was doing his priestly duties. He was going about his priestly, normal, religious service. He had gone to church that day. He had been getting his sing on. He had been singing his songs. He had gotten his dance on. He had been doing his dance, offering the sacrifices, doing all the religious things, right? And, and the angel shows up in, in the middle of his religious ceremonies. Unexpected, unprecedented. There had been no word of the Lord. Nothing had been happening. And shocking, an angel shows up in the middle of his religious duties and says, your wife Elizabeth is going to have a baby. No, that's not possible. Now, I don't know about you, but if I had an angel show up and tell me, you're going to have a baby, you would think my, my somewhere something would click on the inside of me and say, I think we're having a baby. <laughs> something, you'd get it somewhere, but that's just, it shows us how dull we can be spiritually living in the temple. You could be coming to church every week, doing all the right things, and still be spiritually dull and have no discernment, no reality of spiritual things. Yikes. Yikes. And that's what Zacharias was. And he said, oh no. And for nine months he was struck dumb. Couldn't talk. Sometimes I think it would be good if we couldn't talk. <laughs> he couldn't speak for nine months while Elizabeth carried John the Baptist in her womb. She, he couldn't talk. He couldn't even, he had to just observe. Sometimes, you know, we become so, so dull in our spiritual senses, God affects our natural senses. We be, you know, people say, well, why do people fall or shake? Or why, why do signs and wonders and manifestations and all those things happen? I think it's because we live in a, in a one, it's the supernatural power of God touching a fleshly body. But sometimes I think the Lord does it to get our attention because we become so dull to the word of the Lord. We become so dull. We've lost the sharpness and the wonder and the awe and the majesty of who he is. And that's what had happened. They had lost the awe and the wonder and the sharpness of who God was, was not, was not alive on the inside of them. Their passion had waned. The, re, the revelation of who God was had waned. And so for nine months, he couldn't talk. Nine months, he couldn't say a word. And they go, after John the Baptist is born, they go in to dedicate John and, and they ask Elizabeth, what's his name? And Elizabeth says, we're going to call him John. Well, they didn't believe her. They didn't take the woman's word for it. There's no one in your family named John. Why would you? You're not passing on the lineage. You're not passing on a heritage to this baby. So they look at Zacharias and say, Zacharias, what are you going to call your, your baby boy? Well, he was dumb. He literally was dumb. He, but, but he couldn't talk. And he, they said, well, what are you going to call it? He couldn't speak, so he, he asked, you know, motion, give me, a, give me something to write on. It's kind of like when you go into the hospital and, and the patient can't talk. And you're like, tell me what's happening. You've got to give them a piece of paper so they can write down. Anybody ever been there? You've got to write down what they need. Well, that was Zacharias, and he writes down, his name is John. 
And in that moment, the Lord unstopped his mouth and he was able to talk. He came into agreement with what God had been saying. Instead of arguing and fighting and resisting it, he came into agreement with it. And it released the promise of God in his life. So that's, that's the story of John the Baptist and Zacharias just in a nutshell. But in verse 39, it says, Now Mary arose in those days, and she went into the hill country with haste to the city of Judah. And she entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. She wasn't, couldn't talk to Zacharias. <laughs> he couldn't talk. But Elizabeth could talk. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary. So everybody say, It happened. I ain't making this up. It happened. That when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, that the babe leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled. Everybody say filled. She was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me. For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told to her from the Lord. This is a powerful moment. You have to remember, they, they had not, again, they had not heard for 400 years from the Lord. The Holy Spirit was not moving on people. He wasn't feeling people. Nothing was happening. That's more, that's older. The, the period of time is longer than our nation's been a country. They hadn't heard. They hadn't heard a thing. And now all of a sudden, Mary comes in. She comes into Elizabeth's home. And as she enters the home, the baby on the inside of Elizabeth leaps for joy. Man, that tells us a little bit about the current abortion movement, doesn't it? The baby left for joy on the inside of her, encountering the Holy Spirit in that, in that moment. Encountering God in that moment. There, Mary, the Bible says, was overshadowed by the Most High. The angel told her and said that the Holy, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, Mary. The Holy Spirit's going to overshadow you. It's the same word that describes what the Holy Spirit was doing in creation in Genesis 1. That the Holy Spirit was brooding or overshadowing the face of the deep. And the same experience was happening to Mary. It was the same experience that was happening on the Mount Transfiguration when the Bible says that the glory came down upon Jesus and he was overshadowed with the glory. The Holy Spirit was brooding upon him. Mary was, was overshadowed by the power of the Most High. And when she walked into that room, the baby leapt inside of, of Elizabeth. You know, similar things ought to happen in our lives. We ought to be so overshadowed by the power of the Most High that when we walk into a room, something leaps inside of people. This Christ baby, he was anointed. He was just, he was living on the inside of, 
of, of Mary. He was just an embryo, but he was living on the inside of Mary. And he was anointed. And the, the overshadowing power of the Holy Spirit was upon Mary, creating on the inside of her womb this anointed baby, this Christ child. And, and John the Baptist, inside his mother's belly, experienced the joy of the Lord. Talk about supernatural joy. See, joy isn't just, it's not just putting on a smile and it's not just having a good time or, or, or just rejoicing in church. The supernatural joy of the Lord is tangible. It's real. It's life-changing. He fills your mouth with laughter and He sets your feet to dancing. It's not just something you make yourself do. It's a, it's a supernatural response to the joy of the Lord. The joy came upon John the Baptist and the Holy Spirit, that same anointing, that same power that was on Mary, that same anointing that was stirring in the inside of her womb that day came upon Elizabeth and Elizabeth began to prophesy. There hadn't been a prophet in 400 years, but God showed up to a woman named Elizabeth. God anointed a woman for all those who don't think women ought to preach and proclaim the Word of God. Elizabeth was the first prophet in 400 years that began to declare the mystery of the kingdom. And she begins to proclaim to Mary about... She didn't know that Mary had had an angelic visit. She didn't know what had happened. But in that moment, she had a word of knowledge. She had a prophetic word of what was to come. And God was using her in that moment. Wow, what a powerful moment. The anointed child, that anointed baby. I, I, I just, what a scene. If you could just zoom out from 30,000 feet from maybe a heavenly perspective and just see this scene, Mary pregnant with God himself. Mary pregnant with, with God himself. She was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit. You see the Son, you see the Holy Spirit, and you see the divine nature of the unity of God in this moment. He's moving in Mary. He's moving in her life. And there you see the Holy Spirit who's creating this baby inside of Mary. And he begins to move on Elizabeth whom Elizabeth has had uh, all of a sudden this supernatural pregnancy. She was barren, and now she's conceived and having John. And, and you see the Holy Spirit at work in this wonderful heavenly dance. From the very beginning of creation, we see God in His unity. Let us make man in our image. He's, you see God in creation from Jesus the Word made manifest who by Him all things were made that were made. And then, and then you see God the Father speaking and you see the Holy Spirit brooding. What a wonderful painting. What a wonderful word picture we see of the Godhead in creation. And here again God has stepped into His creation. In this moment, God Himself has stepped into creation itself. And the very first encounter we see of God in creation is this wonderful display of the, of the Trinity again 
The wonderful display of the unity of God expressed in three persons here again in creation. We see it at the beginning, and we see it when the Christ child came. What a picture. And Elizabeth prophesies over Mary of what's to come. And she said, the babe leaped in my womb. She was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she begins to prophesy. And Mary said, we know this is the Magnificat, but Mary begins to sing out a prophetic song. And she says, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. I love that. That word rejoiced means that she's jumping for joy. Mary didn't just passively sit by. There was great joy in this moment. There was a great display of joy in this moment. She's there, and, and she's, Elizabeth is absolutely overcome by the joy. So much so, did you hear me this morning? She was, some of you need to be overcome by the joy this morning. A lot of you, every single one of you need to be overcome by the joy of the Lord this morning. His, this supernatural joy overcame Mary and it overcame Elizabeth. In that moment, I could just see them ecstatic over the work of the Lord. Zacharias is in the other room, can't talk, but they're overwhelmed, prophesying over each other. That's exactly what's happening. They're having, they're having a home group between the two of them. They're small group. It's just the two of them. But they're having a small group. And then the, you got John the Baptist and, and, and Jesus in the mix too. They're just having, they're just having a good old time in the Lord. And, and, and Elizabeth gets touched. She, woo, glory, hallelujah. She starts <laughs> prophesying over Mary. And Mary's, woo, I feel it too, Elizabeth. And she starts jumping for joy with the baby on the inside of her. And she starts jumping and singing and leaping. My soul magnifies the Lord. <laughs> I can see it now. Y'all laugh, but you know it's true. You, you've been in those times where the Lord's been touching you and moving on your life, and you just can't help the, the joy of the Lord overwhelming, moving, and you just have to dance. You have to shout. You have to get it out. It's overflowing. If you Listen, friend, if, if you don't have those encounters with the Lord on a regular basis, you need to press in. You need to be overshadowed. You need to let the anointing of this Christ child come on you. You need to get excited about the things of the Lord. There ought to be a joy and a passion and a, and a fervency for the things of God in your life. It ought to excite you to talk about the things of God. If your life is boring, get a hold of the Christ child. You ever know when somebody, they look miserable, they look absolutely depressed, and they pick up a baby and they're like, oh, he's so cute. <laughs> Just pick up the baby today. Just pick up the Christ child today. Pick him up out of the manger and get a good look at him today. Pick him up out of the manger and feel his heartbeat against yours. Get it. Just pick him up out of the manger today and let the anointing that was on that baby get on you today. And I promise you'll start jumping for joy. I promise you'll jump for joy. <laughs> So, so Mary, 
Let me go back to her song. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things. And the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. Hallelujah. This was the seed that would crush the serpent's head. And Mary was prophesying over what was happening on the inside of her. It reminds me about, you know, this, this whole scene reminds me about David's dancing. You know, David and the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant had come back, but the joy of the Lord got all over David, and he started dancing wildly, so much so that his wife despised him and, and, and judged him and criticized him and told him to put his clothes back on, that he had, he had ruined the whole thing for everybody. And his response was, Sorry, sweetheart, it's only going to get better. I'll become more undignified. If you think this was bad, you ain't seen nothing. The Ark of the Covenant's back. The presence of God is back. This ain't nothing. Joy overcame him. I think about the, the man in, in Acts 3 who was lame. He couldn't walk. And, 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 and the Peter and John on the way to the temple said, Silver and gold I don't have, but what we do have, we have some joy to give you. We have, we have joyous news. The angel said, we've come to bring you great tidings, good tidings of great joy. Great joy has showed up today. Great joy has showed up today for that layman. And he went walking and leaping and dancing and praising the Lord. See, joyful news will make you dance. Joy, the joyful news of the Lord, the good news of the gospel, the joyful tidings of the Lord, and His supernatural joy. Just let it get all over you today. Let it get all over you today. Hallelujah. Joy, joy. Joy, joy, joy. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Full of glory. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory. And the half has never yet been told. Y'all know that song, right? It's joy unspeakable and full of glory. Full of glory. Full of glory. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory. And the half has never yet been told. Hallelujah. Be filled with joy unspeakable. It is real. In Luke chapter 2, this baby shows up again in Luke chapter 2. Hallelujah. Now there were in the same country shepherds, verse 8, living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. <laughs> just an ordinary night and behold everybody say behold <laughs> Woo. behold him behold an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone round them and they were greatly afraid 
And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior. I don't know that you heard that. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Yeah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Woo! Good joy, great joy, good tidings, great joy. <laughs> and this will be a sign to you. Hallelujah, yeah. <laughs> Somebody can help that phone. I've got great news. The joy doesn't stop because a phone interrupts the service. <laughs> Just take it out of the sanctuary, please. There you go. Just take it on out and silence it. This is, there we go. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. This is joyful news. Joyful news, this anointed baby showed up in a manger. And as this baby's born, where do the angels go? To the most unlikely evangelist around. The angels go, they did not go to the, they didn't go to the Sanhedrin. They didn't go to the Jewish leadership. They didn't go to the, to the king. They went to the shepherds. They went to the shepherds. They, these angels began to sing their songs of great joy. Good tidings of great joy we bring to you. Today, a Savior is born for you. A Savior is born for you. A Savior is born for you. And suddenly there was with an angel a multitude of the heavenly host. There was just one angel telling them great, great news. But now the, the area is filled with a multitude. Possibly thousands of angels are crying out. And the shepherds are there in this dark night watching over their sheep. And here is this, this angel chorus. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill towards men. For thousands of years there had been no peace. Adam's sin brought destruction and, and stress and issues upon humanity. There had been no peace, but now great news was being proclaimed. A Savior had come. A Deliverer had come. Peace had come back to man. Humanity could have peace with God again. No longer would there be, there, there, no longer would there need a, to be sacrifices and all of the human efforts to get to God, to get into His presence. Now, finally, permanently, and forever, there was a sacrifice to be made to pay for my peace. The chastisement, the Bible says, of my peace was laid on Christ. The payment, the penalty for my peace was placed on His broken body. I can have peace with God. 
I can have, I can be like Elizabeth. I can be like Mary and filled to overflowing with the joy of heaven. And I can feel and I can know and I can experience this peace with God. I can, I can know the shalom of God. I can know the rest of God. The word here actually for peace, side note, the word here for peace in, in the Greek is rest. You can have rest with God. You can have rest for your soul. You can have rest for your mind. You can have rest for your conscience. You can have rest with God. My yoke is easy and my burden is light, Jesus said. Cast off the weight, cast off the cares of this world, and know the rest that comes from the peace of God. Oh, the joyful song. Here's, here's what John Piper says about the joy. They'll put it on the screen for you. But here's what Piper says about the angel's song of joy. He says, the joy that Jesus came to bring is from outside this world. It is the very joy that Jesus himself has in God the Father, which he has had from all eternity and will have forever. There is no greater joy than the joy that God has in God. Because God is the greatest object of joy. And God has the greatest powers to enjoy. <laughs> Woo. Have you ever thought about that? He's got the greatest joy and the greatest ability to enjoy the joy. And Jesus said, I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. His joy was the very joy of God. He promises to put that in us. <laughs> that is what the Holy Spirit does. He pours out the love of God in our hearts and with it the joy of God. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. This is great joy, and it cannot be taken away. It is indestructible joy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So when, so when you hear the angel chorus, if you can tune in today, this isn't just a Hallmark greeting card. This isn't just a movie on Hallmark Channel at Christmas time. But when you can tune in and hear the angel chorus, just as it was when Jesus was born, you can hear it today. Peace on earth, goodwill towards men. Glory to God in the highest. Glory to God. It means worship God, the supreme God. That's what they were saying. Worship the supreme God. Honor the supreme God. It was a, it was a declaration of who he was, but it was a call to worship. It was a call to honor him. If you listen, the angel chorus is still happening. Worship God, the supreme God. Worship him. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He's the God of all. He's the creator of the universe. He rules all things by the word of his power. He has been born in a manger for you and I today. The very God, the supreme God has been born for us. That was the angel's song. Come worship. Come and worship and you'll find a peace that you've never known. Come and worship and you'll experience joy like you've never known. Come and worship and you'll experience him like you've never known before. Come and worship. Ha. Hallelujah. They came to these shepherds and they began to tell them the great news. And the Bible says in verse 15 of Luke 2 that when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, we should go. <laughs> this was pretty epic. We should probably go. We should go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord 
has made known to us. And they came with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, everybody say, when they had seen him. So you can hear, you can hear the angel chorus, but when you see him, you can't help but tell others. They made widely known the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all those who had heard it marveled at the things which were told them by the shepherds. The shepherds became the first evangelists of the good news. These unlikely shepherds. Now, I want to talk to you about these shepherds because these shepherds have a very important role to play. We hear about them once. They come in, you know, it's just kind of kind of like all of the people of the birth of Jesus. All of the people in this scene, in this narrative, they, they come into the picture just for a moment and they disappear. They come in for a moment and they disappear. It's, it's just like God. The, even the angels, they just come in for a moment and then they're gone. Because the, the emphasis was on the Christ child. It wasn't about... I just, I got to pause for a moment. You know, if you think it's all about you, you're just here for a moment and you're gone. If you think it's all, you know, the Lord's going to use you. You're going to be a great evangelist or a great prophet or prophetess, whatever the Lord's called you and put on your life. He's going to use, but you're here for a moment and you're gone. The emphasis is always on the baby. You know, it's kind of like going to grandma and grandpa's house. You know, sons and daughters are great. But when the, when the baby comes in, everything's over. The focus is on the baby. The son and daughter, you were good, but we really want the grandchildren. The baby is always the emphasis. Jesus is always the emphasis. The conquering king, Jesus Christ, is always the focus. You're here for a moment. Do your part. Do what God's called you to do. And be okay stepping back into the shadows, letting God get the glory. That's a good word for somebody this morning. But anyway, these, are, these were the unassuming shepherds. These weren't just any shepherds. These shepherds were priestly shepherds. These were the, these were the shepherds at Migdal Eder who were responsible. It means the tower of the flock. These, these shepherds were responsible for the, the sheep that were to be born and sacrificed. These, these shepherds were responsible for the, the temple lambs. They had to, their job was so important. They had to keep watch round the clock over these sheep. They had to care for the, the, the sheep that were having babies and making sure that these young lambs were being born without spot or blemish, that they were taken care of, that there was nothing wrong with them. That, and then when the baby lambs were born, they were wrapped in protective uh, um, sheets of cloth called swaddling cloth. And they were, they were kept in these swaddling cloths so that they would be kept protected from the elements. They were cared for and nurtured. And the priest had to come and inspect the new lamb that was born and make sure that it was without spot, without blemish, that it was perfect for the sacrificing in the temple. These weren't just any old shepherds. These were shepherds who were waiting for the Lamb of God, and they didn't know it. All the, all the sheep that had been sacrificed 
as a result of their labors in the field couldn't compare to the lamb that had been born that night. All of the, all of the blood of these innocent lambs that, that were spotless and pure and perfect in, in earthly standards according to the priest couldn't compare to the blemishless, spotless, perfect, innocent lamb of God whose blood was shed for you and I. And that night the angels came and told these, these shepherds of Migdal Eder, these, these lambs don't compare to the joyous lamb that's been born. In Micah chapter 4 and verse 8, there's a prophecy concerning this. And it says, O you, tower of the flock, hill of the daughter of Zion, to you it shall come, the former dominion shall come, kingship for the daughter of Jerusalem. Now why do you cry aloud? Is there no king in you? Has your counselor perished? That pain seized you like a woman in labor? Writhe and groan, O daughter of Zion, like a woman in labor. For now you shall go out from the city and dwell in the open country. You shall go to Babylon. There you shall be rescued. There the Lord will redeem you from the hands of your enemies. It was a prophecy to the, to the shepherds at the tower of the flock. It was a prophecy about the birth of Jesus, that the king was coming. That a woman would labor and give birth, not, not of, a, of a natural, just earthly decision, but, but a heavenly decision. That the Lamb of God would be born. And these shepherds became the first evangelists. The Bible says that they went out and they told everyone they heard. Here's what Charles Hutchinson, and they'll put it on the screen, says about these shepherds of this time. Shepherds were the lowest of Jewish society. They were not trusted. Their testimony not usually permitted in court. If anything was ever stolen, there was an assumption that the shepherd did it. They were like modern-day gypsies traveling to and fro for obvious reasons. They were always ceremonially unclean, handling dead animals, assisting in the birth of new ones, dealing with all the manners of issues in the wilderness that would cause them to become and remain unclean. Because of the nature of their job, they would not be able to take the time to become clean. Many suggest that God offered to them the first news of the Messiah's birth because of society's poor treatment of them. These shepherds were specially trained shepherds who took their job seriously. They were in charge of the flock in Bethlehem that supplied the temple sacrifices. They knew the law. They understood how important it was for the sacrificial lambs to be spotless and perfect. They would have protected those animals and would have especially made sure that the newborns were taken care of. These unlikely evangelists that no one trusted, that no one wanted around, this was the people that the angels first came to to proclaim the Savior had been born. You might feel like today that you're the unlikely source. How could God ever use me? How could God ever show up to me? Doesn't He know what I've done? Doesn't He know what I've said? Doesn't He know where I've been? But I've got great news for you of great joy, good tidings of great joy. To you, a Savior has been born, and it's Christ the King. 
came. He comes to the lowly. He comes to the hurting. He comes to the broken. He's showing up to you today. Yeah, stop looking so sour. I've got great news for you. Stop looking like you're depressed and broken and life is miserable. I've got good news. Jesus has come to the lowly of the low. And they began to tell of the great news of what had happened. Then we fast forward the story just a few verses down. This this baby Jesus shows up again. He keeps showing up. I pray this morning he keeps showing up in your life. If you're here today and you're away from the Lord, I pray that Jesus or watching online or listening online, I pray that the baby Jesus just keeps showing up in your life. You just can't get rid of him. The angels keep singing. The baby keeps, he's not crying. He's proclaiming a message. Yeah, I, I, just, I just pray that, that, that somehow, some way, this, this, the mystery of Christmas, the mystery of the Godhead revealed in Jesus Christ just keeps bothering you this holiday season. Everywhere you go. I mean, Thanksgiving, you just can't get away from the baby. You're eating your pumpkin pie, thinking about the mystery of this baby. You're, you're eating your turkey leg, and you got to go to sleep because you ate too much tryptophan. And, and you're laying there in bed sleeping, and you're dreaming about the baby in the manger, the joyful news. You just can't get away from it. It just keeps at it. Jesus shows up in the temple, verse 25. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy, I love this, the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. That's That's a great promise. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall. Oh, that's a great dedication. And rising of many in Israel for a sign which will be spoken against. Simeon, you're getting really better. Win friends and influence people right there. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Here's Simeon, this man who's been anointed by the Holy Spirit. He's living in the temple day after day after day, waiting for the Messiah, waiting for the Messiah to walk in those doors. And there in this moment, he sees Mary and Joseph with this baby. He wasn't a conquering king. He wasn't a warrior on a chariot. He was a baby being brought in for dedication and, and, and for the sacrifice 
of an offering to the Lord. And he walks over to, to Mary and Joseph and he takes the baby out of their hand and lifts him up and begins to prophesy. You see, Simeon's a very interesting character in the New Testament. Again, he's here for a moment and he's gone. But Simeon's father was Hillel. Hillel was one of the most famous leaders of the Sanhedrin. And, and Simeon himself had been a president of the Sanhedrin at one time. He was very influential. He, you might even know of Simeon's son's name. Simeon's son was, was by the name of Gamaliel. Anybody remember who Gamaliel was? Gamaliel was the one who discipled Paul before he got born again. This was a very, very influential family. This family was well known. They knew who Simeon was. Simeon led the Jewish leadership. But see, Simeon had a problem. You want to know what his problem was? Is he was anointed by the Holy Spirit. That was his problem. He saw things different. He heard things different. He was a little bit odd compared to the rest of the Jewish leaders because he had the Holy Spirit on his life. Things were a little unusual. It's okay to be a little unusual. It's okay to have the anointing of the Holy Spirit on your life and to be a little unusual. I might be a little wild. The cameras can't even keep up with me. I might be a little wild, but that's okay because I got the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And at some point, our camera people will catch up. Or not. They may not. They may not. I don't even know if anybody's up there. The anointing was on Simeon, and he was a little different. And you know what made Simeon different? His message was different. He had the Holy Spirit on his life, but his message was different because he believed that this coming Messiah was not a conquering king. And he made it known. You see, the Jewish people wanted a conquering king. They wanted to be liberated from the Roman rule. They wanted the Roman rule to be done away with. But Simeon didn't believe that that's what this Messiah would be. He taught that the Messiah would be a suffering Savior. He taught that the Messiah would come and he would suffer and die for the, for the salvation of the world. It was, a, it was a contradictory message to the Jewish leaders. And they hated him for it and they kicked him out of the Sanhedrin. He was no longer, I mean, talk about the shame that could have been brought to his family. He was, his dad, Hillel, I mean, Jewish, uh, Jewish centers all over are named after Hillel. Pastor Angie used to work at Hillel. There's a, there, it's a Jewish, that's where it comes from. It goes all the way back. Gamaliel, the influence on Saul, who was murdering the Christians. All of these things could have tarnished Simeon was tarnishing their family reputation with this nonsense about a Savior who was coming, the Lamb of God, who would redeem all of humanity. What a, what a story. What a story until the day. The thing he had been preaching and teaching and prophesying and waiting for and looking for every day. Can you imagine it? Maybe you've been there where you've just been waiting on the Lord for the promise to be fulfilled. But I know you've said this and you've, you, you haven't seen it manifested in the natural, but by faith you saw it coming. 
and you stood on the word of the Lord. Maybe it was for a lost family member. Maybe it was for healing. Maybe, maybe it was for ministry, whatever it was. But you stand on the word. Lord, I know you said this. You are faithful. And you stand. And then you think, man, everybody thinks I'm crazy. Everybody thinks I'm crazy. Everybody thought we were crazy when we moved to Ohio, you know. Everybody thinks we're crazy when you start laying hands on people and you see them fall with a, and, and signs and wonders. They think you're crazy. What are you, why are you doing all that? Why are you so fanatical? Why do you preach the way you preach? Why are you so, why are you the way you are, Simeon? Why are you the way you are? Why can't you just, why can't you just be like the rest of us? Anybody hear me this morning? Why can't you just be? And there's always somebody who will tell you, can't you just be? Because you challenge them. You're different. And you're meant to be different. Tell somebody next to you, you're a peculiar people. Now, don't give Arbino too much of a hard time. You're a peculiar people. And you're meant to be. You're meant to look different. You're meant to walk different. You're meant to love different. You're meant to have joy differently. You're meant to have peace differently. Redemption is different than how our world operates. It's different. Christmas reminds us how different we really are. Hallelujah. I, I want to tell you, I believe the Lord is looking for some Simeons in our day. I believe the Lord's looking for some Simeons who will say, I'm not leaving the tabernacle. I'm not leaving the temple. I'm not leaving his presence until the baby Jesus shows up. Does anybody hear me? I'm not leaving his presence. I'm not leaving here. I'm not leaving this moment until, until the very thing that he said shows up in my life. There's a baby to be born. Labor pains are happening. The world is shifting. Times are changing. And I'm not leaving his presence. And I just want to prophesy this morning to you that the times and the seasons of the world around us are changing. And there needs to be some Simeons who say, I'm not leaving. I'm not, I'm not letting go. I'm not leaving. I'm not letting go of what God's promised until I see the fulfillment of it. I think sometimes we give up way too early. We give up way too early. God's working out the preparation. He's working out the scenes. The Bible says that in the fullness of time, Christ came. The word in the fullness of the, of the timing of God, the Greek there for the timing of God, it was a divine intersection moment. It was the fullness of time and the heavenly date book. And you might be trying to run full speed ahead and see the breakthrough, see the victory, see whatever it is. And you're pushing, pressing, tearing down strongholds, running, doing all the things. And all God's saying is, wait. 
It wasn't in the tearing down of the strongholds. It wasn't in the angelic chorus. It wasn't in any of those things. It was in the stillness of the night in a manger that Christ was born. It was in the, it was in the silence of the evening when everybody had gone to bed, when all the animals had been put away, when the shepherds were sitting out on the hillside doing nothing but watching their sheep, when it was a still, silent night, joy rang out in humanity. Oh, it wasn't, it wasn't the loud sound of joy. It was the sound of a baby crying, stepping into creation. So in the stillness of your moment where you, you've tried and tried and tried in your own strength, and God says, just let me do it. In the stillness of the moment... In the moment when you're laying on the floor in His presence. In the moment where you're worshiping Him and singing out your praise. In the moment of reading in the Word. In the moment where you're just saying, Lord, I trust you. And you're driving down the road. Lord, I trust you in this moment, in this season. You've got it. You've, you've got it handled. In those stillness, small moments seem insignificant. It's where Jesus always shows up. It's where Jesus always shows up. I just I think about if I can just take a moment and just segue here for a second and I'll come back. But I think about Jesus at, at, at Lazarus's house in Bethany. An arrest warrant had been issued for Jesus. Fast forward, we were at, we were at Simeon in the temple at Jesus's dedication. Now we're at the end of Jesus's life and he's in Bethany. He had been going back and forth from Bethany into Jerusalem for Passover week and he had been hanging out at his best bud's house who he had raised from the dead not many days before. And he's, I mean, that's pretty cool, right? You know, I don't know that many of you go over to your best friend's house and say, hey, I just raised you from the dead. Let's hang out. Let's celebrate. <laughs> And he's, he's at his friend's house, and they, he's, they're, they're enjoying fellowship together during Passover. And while they're there, this unusual moment occurs. It was, a, it was just a still moment. It was a silent night kind of moment. Everybody's just eating, doing their thing. It was a silent night, unexpected, seemingly insignificant moment. But in walks Mary. And she kneels at the feet of Jesus and she begins to take her costly perfume and pour it out on the feet of Jesus. And she begins to wash his feet with this perfume and worship him in this seemingly insignificant moment. So insignificant that the disciples question why Jesus would let Mary even do this. Judas, of course, had a hard heart, but everybody there wondered what was going on. Why is this happening? What seemed like an insignificant moment? She could have waited. She could have waited just for a couple of days. I mean, after all, Jesus would be dead in just, just a few days from, from that moment. She could have just waited. She could have held on to her perfume and put it on his body in the grave. She could have held on to this costly perfume and just saved it for the day that he was in the grave. But she sees the moment of her opportunity. 
She was like Simeon in the temple waiting for her moment, waiting for her opportunity. And she wasn't going to wait to the day that he was in the grave. She was going to pour out her oil while she had the chance. Simeon wasn't waiting for the day for Jesus to die and to be crucified. He, he seized the moment when he saw Jesus walk in. I think sometimes we get so timid and so backwards and so shy when it comes to the things of the Lord. Well, I don't want to be a fanatic. I don't want to ruffle any feathers. I don't want to cause a problem. Cause a problem. Ruffle the feathers. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power. That word fear, timidity. He's not given you timidity, but power, love, and a sound mind. When you see your baby moment, you better seize it. And it's, you know, it's, the temple was busy. Let's just keep going a little bit further. The temple was busy. Temple was a happening place. Sacrifices were happening. People were dedicating all the things. They're in the, the, the busyness of Jerusalem. And had Simeon seen it and just, well, okay, Holy Spirit. I know, and he started rationalizing. You know how we do. Well, Lord, you know, do we really, should I really do this? Should I really, I mean, I don't want to make a scene. I don't want to, I don't want to really cause a problem. You see, desperation will drive you to do things that nobody else will do. When you're thirsty and you're about ready to die from dehydration, that dehydration, that, that desperation will cause you to drink to, to pursue water. When you're desperate, when you're convinced enough of a reality, it doesn't matter who's around you or what they say or the opinions, you're walking over to that baby Jesus and seizing your moment. It doesn't matter what the disciples say about your costly worship, you're still pouring out your perfume. Does anybody hear me this morning? So, Simeon. <laughs> and then there was one called the Anna, a prophetess. Here we go again, in case you have a problem with women in ministry. Here you go. <laughs> Don't throw anything at me. It's in the Bible. Now there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, which her father here, Phanuel, his name means face of God, of the tribe of Asher. Not my Asher. <laughs> means blessed, the, the blessed tribe. She was of grace. Anna means grace. She was grace, a prophetess of the daughter of grace. You can put this into English. Grace, a prophetess of the daughter of the face of God, of the tribe of blessing. <laughs> Sounds pretty good to me. Sign me up for that one. She was of a great age. She was old she would have qualified for a senior discount. <laughs> she had lived with a husband for seven years from her virginity, and this woman was a widow of 84 years. So, so she, was, she was married to this guy for seven years and became a widow. She had been a widow for 84 years. Some estimates say she was 104 years old. And she had been, the Bible says, she did not depart from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. She had been there for 80 
four years. I want you to think about this. Anna had been there for 84 years, night and day. Everybody say night and day. Night and day, 84 years. Is anyone 84 or above in here? Let me see your hand. 84 or above. He's got, he can't hear me. He's, uh, he's over 84. He can't hear me. Yeah, one. Okay, anyone else? I'm not, I'm not poking fun. It's true. He'd say, if he could hear me, he'd tell you. He'd say the same thing. Anyone else over 84? Only Bob. Bob, how old are you? 96. Can you, I mean, he's got, I mean, he's up there, but he ain't as old as Anna. She was 104. Night and day did not leave the temple for 84 years. She ate there. She drank there. She worshiped there. She, if, if you wanted to go see Anna, where'd you have to go find her? It was in the temple. Waiting 84 years for one moment. She has three verses in the Bible. She had three verses. She didn't even get a book. She didn't even get to write part of the New Testament. I mean, she's, she's just three verses. For eight, I mean, to me, I'm like 84 years, night and day. I mean, I'm here every day, but I, some days it feels like night and day, but, but I'm here every day. It's been 10 years here. I've been in ministry for 20, what do we say, 23? Night and day. Did not leave. Did not leave. Waiting for this moment. Where are the Simeons that will rise up? Where are the men who will rise up? And where are the Annas? Where are the women? I think it's so interesting that the Lord uniquely designed this. There was both prophet and prophetess. There was both Simeon, there was an Anna. There's residing in our church today, there's some Simeons and there's some Annas that need to rise up just like they did in this day, just like they did in this hour and say, we're not leaving the temple. We're not leaving the presence of the Lord until he comes. Where are the people who are desperate for his presence? Where are the people who are desperate for his joy? Where are the people who are desperate for his peace? Where are the people who will say, we will contend? If no one else will contend for the presence of God, if no one else will contend for the redemption of Israel, if no one else will contend for the redemption of Akron, if no one else will contend for the redemption of Stowe, if no one else will contend for the redemption of Cuyahoga Falls, if no one else will contend for the redemption of Hudson, if no one else will contend for the redemption of Canton and North Canton and, and Cleveland and all the Macedonia, all the town. If no one else, we will be here. We will be here. And I, I want to just say, and, and, and being here is, is not a geographical pinpoint on a map. Being here, I'm contending in my home. 
I'm contending in my workplace. I'm contending in my job. I am staying. I'm steadfast until I see the promise of the Lord. Don't neglect. Don't give up. Where are the Simeons and the Annas? What a powerful, powerful ministry. You know, there's been termed different churches have called them different things through the years. I, you know, I grew up in an era that we used to call them church moms, you know, church mothers, things like that. Anybody familiar with that term? Like, there's, there's always been a term for those people. They're the intercessors. They're the prayers. I think back to the, the people influential in, in my life. I think about the Annas in my life. I can go back to you know, the, a woman by the name of Dolores Rose. We actually use her last name as a pseudonym when we go to uh, restaurants because nobody can ever say Prosser. They, they mispronounce it all the time. And her last name's Rose, so we always give Rose. When, so if you ever hear Rose at a restaurant, it's probably us. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> So, because nobody can say Prosser, so we say Rose. But she's, we, that's where, I, where we've taken that from. Her name, Dolores Rose. But I remember, she's like an Anna in my life. She, would, she could pray. I mean, this woman could pray. She still prays. She's still alive. But she knows how to pray. And I remember watching her life. Her husband wasn't born again. They, they got married. You know, she got born again. He wasn't. And she, I mean, she prayed and prayed and prayed for him. So he's born again now. But she knew you could walk into a room and at a prayer meeting on a Sunday night at our church and you could hear it. When Dolores started praying, you knew the fire was falling. There was no, it wasn't about emotion. There wasn't, it wasn't just about her voice and, oh, you know, those kinds of things. It wasn't that. <laughs> she had the power of God on her. How many know those kinds of people? We need Annas who will grab hold in intercession and prayer and not let go. Whose prayer, whose voice in prayer, whose voice in worship leaves a mark on the next generation. Anna left her mark on generations to come. Three verses, but she left her mark. God used her, and her testimony made a mark. The Lord wants to use you to make a mark, not because you were great with kids and you loved them, not because you, know, you had the best voice on the worship team, not because you were always faithful in the house of the Lord. I, I can think of people in my life who were like that. Thank God for them. But the people who marked my life going back generations are people who knew how to pray and knew how to worship. Those are the people that I look to and say, thank God for their influence in my life. Simeons and Annas who will make a stand and not let go. So you got Simeon, you got Anna. The Lord is calling to you today.
Why don't you stand with me? He's calling out to you today, this little baby, this little anointed baby, this little anointed baby, this little anointed Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ. I, I want to say, I feel this word from the Lord so strong right now um, about I feel so strongly about this word about Simeon and Anna. I want you to hear me. I feel this word so strong about the Lord raising up Simeon's and Anna's. Everybody look this way. We all know phones are horrid of the devil. If I'm, I, yeah, they're, they're demon possessed. We know this. The devil will try anything to get you to miss this. This is, I mean, this is the word of God. I feel so strongly about this that we, the Lord is calling, he's raising up Simeon's and Anna's. I want you to see the baby in the manger today, but I want you to respond very practically to the word of the Lord that you would be a Simeon or an Anna. That you'll contend, that you'll say, Lord, I am, I'm going to be like Anna and contend for the redemption of my city, of my region, of my family. I'm going to be like Simeon, and I'm not letting go of the promised Messiah until I see the breakthrough happen. I'm not letting go of the pro I am going to pray. I'm going to intercede. And I'm going to make time to do it corporately. Not just in my prayer closet. The pra Anna and Simeon were not just in a prayer closet tucked away somewhere. They were publicly in the temple offering praise and worship. Waiting for the arrival of the Messiah. And, and listen, it's not, it's not about the you know, public display, but there is power in the corporate public worship and prayer saying, I am going to lead the way as a Simeon. I'm going to lead the way as an Anna. I'm going to encourage the next generation. I'm going to encourage the, those around me to keep pressing in until the breakthrough happens. Well, I'm glad three of you agreed. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am. I just need two or three. It's okay. I think he's speaking to some people this morning. I would venture to say there's some here this morning that, that that's your heart's desire. Then that has been your heart's desire to lead the way like a Simeon or Anna. But I also believe that there are those here this morning that that, that passion, that drive, that commitment has waned. It's lessened. Life has happened. It once was. It once was your passion. It once was, I, I'm going to be that person that loves God with everything in me. I'm going to pursue him with everything in me. I'm going to contend for revival in the Great Lakes. I'm going to be the one. I'm going to be the one. And that passion, that drive, that desire has waned. And the Lord is calling out to you today saying it's time to rekindle. It's time to refire. It's time to refresh. It's time to renew. It's time. He's that call, that, 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 that commission. 
It hasn't gone away. It hasn't stopped. It, the Lord hasn't moved on because you messed it up somehow. He's calling out to you today saying, well, you, you can do this. this. It's not by your might or strength. I want to work in and through your life. You just have to yield. You just have to yield. You have to be available. You have to make room. You have to say, I'll be present. You have to say, I'm committing to not leave the presence. I'm, not, I'm committing to not leave the altar until it happens. I'm committing. I, I can't make it happen. I can't do it. But I can be present. I can be available. I can't make the Savior come. I can't make the birth happen. I can't make the angels sing. But I can be present until it happens. I can be present until he comes. I can be here until my moment happens. The Lord's calling out to you, friend. The altar's open, and I, I'm just going to leave it at that. I believe there are those this morning that say they need to recommit. I'm going to be a Simeon. I'm going to be an Anna. I'm going to be the one that doesn't leave, that tarries, that lingers until breakthrough happens. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's your, your life story now, but perhaps there are others who say, I need to rekindle, refresh. Come on, the altar's open. You need to make a commitment. You need to respond to the Lord. You need to have a moment in his presence to say, God, I'm not, I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving until, I'm not leaving today. I'm not leaving this service until I respond, until I commit again. I'm not, I'm not leaving. I'm not. I, I, friend, do you hear the voice of the Lord today? Yaramaye say yeah, yeah, the altar is open.